Therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering, and so he condemned sin in sinful man, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those controlled by the sinful nature cannot please God. Well, I'll also add my good morning to everybody else. We're glad to have everyone here. Uh, we want to, uh, we're going to talk about the law this morning. I, I talked about it last week. And uh, in talking about it, we're talking about the Old Testament, and the Old Testament makes up about two-thirds of the Bible. So when we're reading the Bible, and we're reading the Old Testament, we're basically reading about a relationship that God had with a peculiar nation, that is, the nation of Israel. And he started this nation by addressing one man by the name of Abraham, and promising him that he would become a great nation. Now, in becoming a great nation, God also knew and regulated that nation by a set of law or a covenant. That Old Testament covenant was a covenant that God made with the descendants of Abraham, that is Israel. And in that covenant, he, he uh, established a regulation or regulations requirements, restrictions, a law. And that law, as we discussed last week, and I'll just remind you of it is, the fact that that law was also the law of the prophets, that is, it included everything that God wanted these people to do in order to stay close to Him, so that eventually He would send His Son through them to bless all humanity. Now, I think I'm talking to everyone who, who understands that, 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 that particular point. But in talking about the law, we also talked about the fact that Jesus was go going to change that law. Now, that's, for us sitting here today, 2,000 years later, it's hard for us to feel the impact of what that must have had on these people. This was a nation. This was an actual group of people that composed a nation, a nation of individuals who had been accustomed to a law governing them and guiding them over the centuries. And it, of course, started with Moses on the Mount of Sinai when he brought the children of Israel out of the Egyptian, out of Egyptian bondage through the wilderness, some probably some four million strong. There were a lot of people he took care of them in the wilderness and for 40 years guided them through that desolate country. 
bringing them into what was called the land of plenty, milk and honey. But in order to make sure that these people stayed together and behaved and protected one another and were mindful of regulations that controlled them, he gave them the law. My friends, without a law, we are in chaos. We have to have a law. And we have to have regulations. We have to have something that protects us from one another. Laws are important. And they're, they're so important and so serious in their nature that the violation of a law under God's covenant required the forfeiture of a life, a death penalty. Now that's hard for us to imagine right now. It's hard for us to believe because we're living in a society that says there's hardly any reason to be concerned about law. If you break the law, you post bail. But nowadays, we're, we're, we're hearing people talk about no need for bail. If you break a law, you have to, you have to pay a penalty. But nowadays, we're hearing the fact that we don't have penalties for laws anymore. There's no such thing as a penalty. That it's inhumane to, to ask someone to pay a penalty. But we have to remember that when God set forth laws, this text that we just read talked about the law of sin and death. The law that God gave on Mount Sinai carried death penalties with them. They were death penalty laws. And so when he talks about the law of sin and death, he's talking about the fact that when you violated a law, you forfeited your life. It's, it's, again, I say it's hard for us to imagine, to put it in our minds and our hearts, the idea that, that keeping a law is that essential. But God saw that it was that essential. It was that essential with their relationship to Him, and it was that essential with their relationship to one another. So when He gave the law, He gave the law not only to make sure that people respected Him and His authority, but also that they respected one another and their human rights, their human dignity, their human respect for one another. What I want to do this morning, basically, is let you know that that law that God gave on Mount Sinai was designed to help us understand our relationship to Him overall through eternity. But let's just take a look, because the law was our schoolmaster to bring us into Christ, is what Paul told the Galatians in Galatians chapter 3, and verse 24 through 28. But it was also an example to us, an example of how we ought to behave ourselves. But when we talk about that Old Testament law, when we talk about that law, we're talking about some very serious business. Extremely serious. We could question God about it, but you know what? When people questioned God under the old law, they lost their lives. It's that serious. Law is that serious. It's that important. It's that essential. 
we're living in a society that wants to be lawless. Now, they, they don't mean just we're going to behave ourselves. The lawless aspect of our society is we want to be able to do what we want to do to you or anybody else and not have to pay the consequences. Well, when Jesus came to this earth, he came to a society that had a group of individuals who were supposed to be describing and explaining the law. and It was called the Sanhedrin or the council. And about 50 years before Jesus came, the Roman Empire gave that Sanhedrin the authority to impose the death penalty on people they believed were violators of their law. That is the law of Moses. Granted them that right. And then in AD 30, when Jesus was 30 years old, the Roman government took that authority away from them. Said, no, you can't impose the death penalty anymore. Your, your law cannot carry the death penalty. Now, we do know from reading the New Testament that, they, that these people were not content to do what the Romans told them to do or not. So they did impose the death penalty. Not on Jesus, because that was too obvious. But they later on, they imposed the death penalty on Stephen. And they imposed the death penalty on James. They imposed the death penalty through their counsel, even though they weren't supposed to do it. But let's look at this just a minute. When Jesus began his public ministry, he began it under the full weight of the law. In other words, if he sinned, according to the council, the Sanhedrin, they had the authority to put him to death. They could bring him up before the council and have him killed. But that ended. <laughs> so then they had to find some other way to do it. And the way they did it was, of course, they brought him up on charges and then turned him over to the Roman government so that they would kill him. The full weight of the law applied to the Ten Commandments. Let's, let's look at it just a minute. I'm going to take you back into the Old Testament. You remember last week, if you were here, uh, I went through the Ten Commandments. We said, okay, here's the law. And I read them very quickly, and we, well, of course we did, and then we recognized the fact that, that there was more to the law than just the Ten Commandments. There, there was a law concerning all the different regulations that God had for this people to make them a, a large community into a nation, regulated by, by God and by his representatives. What we didn't discuss was the fact that this was a law of sin and death. The law of sin and death. Now that, that means that when they sinned, they died. They were put to death. Now that's pretty that's that's pretty serious. In Leviticus chapter twenty four, verse sixteen, of course we know that the first three commandments had to do with God. The Lord your God is one God. You will not take the name of your Lord your God in vain. And you'll not make any graven images. That's the three of them. Right? What happened when they did? What happened when someone got up and cursed God? He was killed. You hear people all the time cursing God today. Had they cursed God 
in that environment, they would have been immediately killed. They would have forfeited their lives. Leviticus, Leviticus 24.16, it says, He that blasphemes the name of the Lord, he shall surely be put to death. A death penalty. It was, it, was, it was a crime that called for the death of that individual. And it says, All the congregation shall certainly stone him as well as a stranger, as he that is born in the land when he blasphemes the name of the Lord shall be put to death. In Acts chapter 7, Stephen was preaching the gospel. And he was preaching before the council, the Sanhedrin, that had their teeth taken out when they were told by the Romans, you can't put anybody to death for your laws. And yet, when Stephen was preaching before them, all of a sudden, they couldn't stand it. It says they gnashed upon him with their teeth, and they took him aside, and they stoned him. They imposed the death penalty on him, although they didn't make a formal declaration of the death penalty, but they did. They killed him. They killed Stephen because they said he was blaspheming because he was preaching Jesus and preaching Jesus as the one who had replaced their law. In John chapter 10 and verse 36, when Jesus was talking to some that were questioning him, he said, Say you of him whom the Father sanctified and sent into the world, you blaspheme. They were saying, they were accusing him of blasphemy because he said, I am the Son of God. And that's the one thing they wanted, the one charge they wanted to make against him so that they could put him to death or have him put to death. Friend, that's a serious charge. It's a serious charge for men to stand up and say, Well, if there is a God, let him strike me dead today. Well, if he had said that then, it would have happened. He would have been struck dead. They would have stoned him, taken him outside and stoned him. Anyone that blasphemes against God. Matthew 26, 65 says, The high priest, when he was talking to Jesus, had him on trial, tore his clothes, and he said, He's spoken blasphemy. What further have need we of witnesses? Behold, you have heard this blasphemy. They wanted him killed. Pilate said, I don't see any reason to do this. I don't see any way I can put him to death. He hasn't done anything against our law. So he said, here's what we've got. He said, I've got a deal for you because he knew the Jews were upset. He said, I've got another man here that's in prison for another reason. He said, I'll release one of them. I'll release Bar Jesus or I'll release Jesus. They said they wanted Jesus to be crucified. How about idolatry? Exodus 22 verse 20 says, He that sacrifices unto any god, save the Lord only, he shall be utterly destroyed. He's to be crucified. He's to be killed. The law of sin and death. Leviticus 20 verse 27 says, Any man or woman that has a familiar spirit, sorcerer, necromancer, or wizard, shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones. Their blood shall be upon them. So, idolatry was a capital crime as well. Sabbath breaking. They caught a man gathering sticks on a Saturday. Now you say, well, that's a simple thing, gathering sticks. He wasn't working. Well, probably, you have to keep in mind, 
that the Sabbath was to keep people from following their occupation, making money, supporting their families. God said, I'll take care of you. I'll give you manna. So on the Sabbath day, take it easy. Don't work. Think about me. That's what he told him. Don't do the work. This guy was out getting sticks. The assumption is he was getting sticks as his occupation in order to provide money for himself or whatever he's trading the sticks for. He was, he was working. He wasn't just running around taking up sticks. He was working. And you know what? They put him to death. They executed him. This is found in Exodus chapter, in Exodus, or, I'm sorry, in Numbers chapter 15, verse 35. The Lord said unto Moses, The man shall surely be put to death, and all of the congregation shall stone him with stones outside the camp. Again, a death penalty on this man. And then, of course, we have uh, honoring parents. Commandment number five. Did you know that if you dishonored your parents, that was a death penalty? You wonder why. Well, obviously, if you didn't take care of your children, if your children were unruly and disrespectful, that that would continue to infect the rest rest of society, and pretty soon the children will grow up lawless and without respect. And it was a very stringent commandment. Exodus 21, 17, it says, He that curses, child jumps up and says, I hate you, I despise you. Then they curse them. They use the curse words, the, the familiar curse words we hear all the time. They hear the curses. He that curses mother and father says, shall surely be put to death. Now that, that's serious, isn't it? Serious business. Leviticus 20 verse 9 says, Everyone that curses his father or his mother shall surely be put to death. Well, we're, we're uh, reaping the, we've sowed the whirlwind, we're reaping the whirlwind today when we think about children that disrespect their parents, they disrespect their school teacher, they disrespect their neighbor, they, dis- they disrespect the, the authorities. Under Moses' law, they were to be killed. He that murders, he that smites a man so that he die, he will be put to death. Exodus 21, 12. Leviticus 20, verse 10 says, the man that commits adultery with another man's wife. Now, let's stop a minute. There was an occasion in the life of Jesus in John chapter 8, the record is found, where they brought a woman to Jesus, said that we, we caught this woman in the very act of adultery. Well, how'd they catch the act? They didn't catch the man too. Had to catch both of them. You can't catch someone in the act by themselves. Here you have the man and the woman. This text says, the man that commits adultery with another man's wife, the man. Even he that commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress, shall surely be put to death. The death penalty. We're talking about some serious stuff here. Even perjury. If you swear, and you, you swear with a lie, if you commit perjury, you'll be put to death. Deuteronomy 19.19 19 says, 
You shall do unto him as his thoughts have done unto his brother, so should you put the evil away from among you. And those who remain shall hear and fear and shall henceforth commit no more any such evil among you. Your, your eye shall not pity, but life will go for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot. All right. Let's take it one step further. Even violating protocol call for the death penalty. You know what I'm talking about? God set up an, an arrangement with his people. He said, here's the protocol, here's what you do, here's how you do it. If you come to me, if you approach me, you'll do it with respect and reverence and in the manner in which I told you to do it. That is through the priest, through the representative, through Moses. You don't just come running up, for instance, to the mountain where I'm talking to Moses, just come up and want to hear what's going on. He said, whoever approaches that mountain will be put to death. Now, friend, that's protocol. That's, that's the system by which we, we work together is what God was saying. And in chapter 19, verse 12, this is talking about Mount Sinai. It said, you'll set bounds, talking to Moses, you'll set bounds on the people round about saying, take heed yourselves that you go not up into the mountain or touch the border of it, Whosoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. What I'm, what I'm getting as I read the Old Testament, what I'm getting is that God sees a whole lot of things that, like I don't see. He sees a whole lot of things that are more serious than I can see them as being serious. When he says, I do not want you touching the mountain, then whenever somebody touches the mountain, they will be put to death. Why, Lord? To be honest with you, I don't know. But I do know that's what he said. And it's serious business. How serious? Well, if you touch it, you're going to forfeit your life. My goodness. That's, that's something. God said, reverence me. Do what I tell you. That's protocol. And he even told the priest... He said, I've got a place I'm going to meet with you in the temple, in the tabernacle at that point. He said, I'm going to appoint someone as a representative and that person can come and represent you to me. That was the high priest. That was Aaron's brother. Started it all out. He was a Levite. He was a high priest. And so he said, nobody can do this but this man. And nobody can function in this priesthood except this man and his descendants, which was Aaron and his sons, sons of Levi. And if you do it otherwise, you know what's going to happen? You're going to die. It's not a simple little, maybe you ought to do it this way, maybe you ought to do it that way. The protocol was, here's how you're going to do it. Now, Leviticus 16, verse 1 and 2, it says, The Lord spoke unto Moses, after the death of the two sons of Aaron. You know what the two sons of Aaron did? Nadab and Abihu, they said, protocol. We'll do it our way. God had started a fire for the sacrifices and for the, for the offering of different animals and sacrifice. He said, this is the fire I want to use while we're doing this. This is, this is the one I started. Nadab and Abihu said, we'll start our own. God killed them. Two, two boys killed them. 
And he told Aaron, he said, I don't want you mourning for your sons. I do not want you putting any sackcloth on. Don't put any black mourning cloth on you. He said, this is, this is important. This was, this was too important for you to do that. Do not mourn for these sons. They were out of order. I look at that and I think, well, there's something about this, isn't there? That's, that's more serious than what we're seeing. Fire, fire. That's what Aaron made that advice. He said, fire, fire. We'll do it our way. And that apparently gender something else in man that shouldn't be there. Obviously it involves disrespect for God and for his ways. He said unto Aaron, then he said unto Aaron, he said, now here's, here's your responsibility. Don't come to me at all times in a holy place. Don't just come in when you want to. So he told him, you come when I tell you to come. In, in Leviticus 16 at verse 2, it says, Speak unto Aaron their brother that he come not at all times into the holy place within the veil before the mercy seat which is upon the ark, that he die not. He said, Don't you just come when you want to come. You come when I tell you to come. Protocol. This is the way we do it. God set it up and said, I want it done this way. Now, I'm not a psychologist, I'm not a psychiatrist, and I don't know what the eventual effects outcome would be if a person just kicked all rules aside and said, I'll do it my way. But apparently, it damages us. It does things to us. It makes us do something before God that we shouldn't be doing. We need rules, and we need regulations, and we need restrictions. Especially, God said, with me. Now that bleeds over into our civil government too today. Obviously it does. Because Romans chapter 13, even though we're not moving under the law of Moses, Romans chapter 13, God said that the powers that be, you should respect. You would hear some powers that be, he said, because God had ordained those, and he ordained the powers to be to regulate society. And we're to give honor to whom honor is due and respect whom respect is due and so forth. So we need rules. We need regulations. And again, God was saying at this time with them, he's saying, we, we, you must understand the rule of law and that it is serious. It's serious. Even though the Jews were not following the strict regimen of the law, they were content when Jesus came to think that they were doing okay anyway. We're not so bad after all. After all of that, after everything that God said and how serious his law was, when John the Baptist arrived on the scene and began to preach, he began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is hand. And these people said within themselves, repent what have I been doing wrong? It's not that serious. But what do I have to repent of? Now, not everybody said that. Matter of fact, they came to John. Some said, "Some said, what, what should we do?" And and John told someone, said, "If you've got two coats, share with your brother. If you've got two two uh, portions of meat, share with someone who has none." 
And the publicans, the tax collectors, said, what should we do? They said, collect no more than is appointed unto me. And they appointed unto you. And then he asked the soldiers what they should do. And the soldiers said, well, what should we do? And John said, well, don't do any violence to any man. Don't take personal, don't exercise personal violence on anybody. And be content with your wages. So, but they were saying, well, I, well, I, don't, I don't have anything. There's nothing wrong for me to do. There's nothing, I haven't been doing anything wrong. And so, when John was preaching baptism of repentance, the people that should have been repenting, the sinners, <laughs> were doing it. The people were saying, well, I need to get right because I know I've, I've done wrong and I don't want this thing to catch up with me. I don't want it to catch up with me. You may not know it, may not think about it much, but God gave, set forth the system of sacrifice in the Old Testament so that if a person sinned, instead of them dying, which they were supposed to do, if they blasphemed, instead of dying, God set up the system so that they could offer sacrifice and apologize and say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have done that. How do I, how do I make amends? And so God set up a system of sacrifice and he asked for the best of the flocks. What you do is, because this is that serious, you go get the best lamb out of your flocks, a male. You know, you don't want to kill the males, do you? Because they can, they can produce. You don't want to kill them all. Then, okay, you take the best little lamb you've got, the smallest one, the yearling, the one you can pick up in your arms, the one your kid would name, pets, and you bring that one and you kill it. You take that life for your life. That's what the sacrifice was all about. To get them to understand how serious this business of law-breaking is. It's serious business. Kill an animal. Blood. Blood on your hands. Blood on your souls. This is serious business. It's the law of sin and death. That was the problem. But those who really needed it, some of them came to, came to John and said, Oh, okay, I, I need to get, we need to get this thing resolved because there was the judgment coming and they knew that. But there was a group that didn't, didn't take that. Then they said, no, 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 we, we're, not, we're not in that category. We're doing okay. It says all the people in Luke chapter 7 and verse 28, it says all the people that heard John and the publicans justified God being baptized the baptism of John. They justified God. So God was right, they were wrong. They were baptized. They said that the Pharisees and the lawyers rejected the counsel of God against themselves being not baptized of him. We're okay. There is a, when you break a law, when you break a law, you have a consequence. And brother, that Old Testament law carried some horrible consequences, didn't it? Law today carries consequences. We get by with it all the time. We break a law, we dodge the bullet. We get away from it. We, we don't, 
feel like we're going to have to pay the consequences. But when we violate the law of God, of course, the consequences are still there unless some satisfaction is made on our behalf somewhat. Somehow, we're going to have to get out from under that. It's the law of sin and death. But the people that Jesus came to, by and large, repented. But those that were in charge didn't repent. John 5 verse 38, Jesus said, You have not his word abiding in you. For whom he hath sent, you don't believe. Search the scripture, and then you think you have eternal life. They are they that testify of me. Jesus came to this earth to complete that Old Testament law. In other words, the consequences just kept building. Sins just kept coming. People just kept doing. People just kept dodging. The law just kept issuing the mandates. And yet the people were not being punished for the sins and the crimes. Matter of fact, they'd gotten down to where the council couldn't even pronounce the penalties. And so Jesus stood up and said, I'm going to satisfy this for you. I'm thinking of this. When when Moses was on the mount in chapter 32 of the the book of Exodus, and when he went up to get the law, remember what the people did? The people took off all their clothes. Did you know that? They all got naked. And they made a golden idol. They got involved in a big orgy. You're seeing these rays today. You don't see an orgy. Orgies are going on all around us. Don't go, don't go near them, but they're all around in this society today. And it's just getting worse and worse. But the point is, they were having an orgy. And God looked at them and said, I, I'm through with them. Matter of fact, he, he took the lives of 3,000 just like that. Must have been the leaders. Moses stood up and said, Lord, if it, don't, don't do this. Blot my name out of your book, if you must, but don't blot theirs. And God said, I'll blot the names out of those who sent. I'll blot the names out of the ones I want to blot out. But he let them prevail, and he, he let them continue. And you know what they did? Over the years, they just got worse and worse and worse and worse. And yet the time when Jesus got here, there was some who thought, hey, we're doing okay. We're, we're okay. We don't have, we don't have a problem. We're, we're all right. And yet, reading the text, Romans chapter 2, verse 12, says, for as many have sinned without the law, those that didn't have the law, shall perish without the law. The law is going to, the law is going to take effect. It's going to happen. Those that sin that don't have the law are going to perish. And it says those that sin under the law will perish under the law. It's all over. It's all done. Something's got to happen. Because the law requires penalties and consequences. And the law is so serious. God at one time said, forfeit your life. You did it, you die." He said, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these having not the law are a law unto themselves. 
and show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness, their thoughts, and meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In the day, here's the, here's the beautiful part of this. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. He's not going to judge us according to that Old Testament law. He's going to judge us according to the gospel. But the sting of the, of the law, the strength of the, of the law, the sting is sin. 1 Corinthians 15, 56 says, The sting of death is sin. You die because you sin. And pay consequences. And the strength of sin is the law. Galatians 3.10 says, As many as have works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continues not in all things which are written in the book of the law of the Bible. Romans 3.19 says, We know that whatsoever things the law says, it says to them that are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may be guilty before God. Remember, violation of the law of God brings death. That's how serious it is. I know we're just drifting along and saying, well, uh, it, it's not due yet. The consequences aren't due yet. We'll get along. We'll go okay. And yet, we know that, that's, that's, uh, that God views sin more seriously than that. Galatians 5 4 says, Christ is of no effect to you. Whosoever you are justified by the law, you fall from grace. You know what? If you commit one sin, if you do one thing against the law, as a matter of fact, you're guilty of the whole thing. You're guilty of the whole law. If you offend in one point, you're guilty of all. Jesus went to the cross under the force of the law, he was guilty of nothing. When a child, if you're a parent, when a child gets sick, the first thing a parent does is say, I wish it was me, instead of them, I'll take the pain. Uh, give me the pain. You can't get it. Really, you can't take it. Somebody, somebody's suffering. Somebody's going to have some consequences. And somebody stands up and says, just like Moses did, Moses said, take me, Lord, instead of them. Doesn't work that way, does it? God said, whoever sinned, I'll blot him out of my book. Whoever sinned. I'm not talking to you, Moses, about this thing. Whoever sins, I'll blot him out. That's what he said. Chapter 32, verse 34 through 36 of the book of uh, Exodus. So he said, well, how is it then that Jesus stood up and said, I'll take it for them? How did that happen? The Son of God said, okay, I'm here to pay the price and exonerate everyone from all that they've done. I will suffer. What, what will you suffer, Lord? You know what the, sin, what the law called for? Death. He said, I'll die. I'll die for them. My, I can't, I can't I'll die for them. I'll die for you. I'll die for everybody. The life of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is worth more than all of humanity. It really is. He's God. He's not man. He didn't do a thing worthy of death, but He died for us, and He rose from the dead on the third day and gave us, guess what? A new law. 
It's called the law of the spirit of life. Not the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of life. Colossians 2.14 says he blotted out, not our name, he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, contrary to us, took it out of the way and nailing it to his cross. The law made nothing perfect, the writer of Hebrews said, but the bringing in of a better hope did, by which we draw near unto God. So speak you and so do as they shall be judged by the law of liberty. We're not living under an old contract. We're not living under that old system. We're living under the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Paul said, he said, I am dead, yet never I am crucified with Christ. Yet not I, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life I now live, I live by faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's stop at that point. The law requires more than we can pay. Even today, even under the law of civil government, which is a law that, that we have to live under if we live in this society, we've agreed to do that. We live under these laws. And so we live under a law that protects our neighbor. That's supposed to. That's what it's supposed to do. Sometimes it fails, but the system of God doesn't fail. It won't fail. The law of the liberty of Jesus Christ, the law of the Spirit, is that which gives us liberty. And I'll just, I'll just say this one thing before I conclude. And that is, and we'll talk, I won't talk next week, we'll talk about what type of law of Spirit it is. But just, just let me tell you this. We, we, we are, because we've been baptized into Jesus Christ, washed in His blood, He has given us amnesty. We don't have to answer for our crimes. Amnesty. But we live under a law that's called the honor system. <laughs> that's what we live. We live under that type of law. The honor system. We'll leave it at that. Let's stand and sing that last song of invitation. <laughs>